Welcome to Good Looking Out, a podcast about what to eat, watch, read, and listen to. This is episode number 17. I'm Eric. I'm Jason. So, uh, we wanted to sort of just catch up on all the, since it's been so long since we've been together. Yeah. Catch up on all the different things we've been watching and reading and listening to. We talked at the top of last podcast about kind of some of the meals we've been having, so I think we can skip over that. For but, sure, um, yeah. Besides Sons of Anarchy... <laughs> have I been spending my time? How have you been spending your time? What have you been watching? Um, I haven't been watching much of anything. Um, actually, that's not true. Since I've been back home, which is a week and a half now or so, I got a um a tip from um a new friend, Liza, who's the host of our series that we just um finished shooting. Oh, cool! Lovely. She's so great. Um. Got a tip from her on a series on Showtime, which I get. I now get Showtime for free because I, like millions of other idiots, bought the Pacquiao fight. Oh, such bullshit! Don't let's not even <laughs> start to talk about that. But um, the best thing to come out of that fight was Showtime free for six months. Um, so I have Showtime, and she recommended the series called Ray Donovan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know it. I haven't watched the most. Uh, I watched half of last season, and I haven't watched the most recent season. But yeah, I've, I've watched the first couple seasons of Ray Donovan. Oh, you have. Yeah. What do you think? I like it. I think Liev Shriver is really good in it. I think, um, obviously, you know, I'm a huge. What's the John Voight? John Voight oh, fan. God, he's so good. <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Yeah, man. I mean, I love it. Like, there's some. It's got the woman who um, who's. Uh, whose name I should know, who played Trixie on Deadwood. That's right. She's awesome. She's Trixie on Deadwood. Um, Was she in The Fighter? Or is her accent just so good it makes me feel like she was? Um, I don't know. She's she's Irish, that lady. Yeah, no, Um, but but she's got that Boston accent. Right. Um, And she's like half, you know, yeah. She so anyway, um, that series I I'm digging that thing, man. It's because for one, you love seeing like I love to see like a true depiction of like a mass hole out in another part of the world, like just making other people right. like nobody knows quite how to deal with them, and because that's how you I I've, I've felt you know for many for a long long time is that you just like people don't they just are like oh he's. Uh, he's a fucking jerk or he's like, you know what I mean? It's nice yep. seeing that. I love how they do that, how they show like people from Massachusetts being the dicks that they are just fucking out in the world and people being like, what the fuck is with them? So I love that. Um, so and- Paula Malcolmson is the name of the actress. Who Malcolmson. Plays Paula Malcolmson. Yeah. She's great. Trixie was so fucking good. I believe, I mean- wasn't she, isn't she also... In when they go to Ireland in Sons of Anarchy, oh, I'm for pretty fuck's sure sake. she is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think she is. Yeah, she plays like the the sister or the wife of someone or something. Like, one of oh my like, god, she absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, she's the one who has the conversation with Jax about like, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she totally is. Yep. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, not that I don't think one has anything to really be compared to the other, other than that. But. It was a really interesting interview with her. She was on a podcast called I Was There Too that, that interviews people who were like 
sort of side characters in film about like what it was like to be on the film. Really good podcast. I was there too. And they You've actually told me about that. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, interviewed her and she was talking about on Deadwood David Milch had written it so that her character was supposed to get killed off pretty fa- pretty fast into the series and she just made herself indispensable on that show and Seriously? made the character so good that she ended up being one of the central characters like as the series went on. I love that. It's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. And he had to write her back in. Pretty much. She just started when he he would fly home for the weekends on they were shooting like um five days a week, like really long days, and he would was there most of the time, but he would fly home on Thursdays. And she said she would just go to the writers and be like, Oh, you know, I'm sp- David said I'm supposed to do this in this scene. And she would just make something <laughs> up and like make herself a much more important part of the scene. And then he would like it. Yeah. You know, when she got back, so she always got away with it. <laughs> and as long as you told the director that David, uh, you know, like said it was supposed to happen, they were like, Yeah, yeah, okay. Because he was like, obviously, the personality, the visionary that ran that whole series. Of course, yeah. It's funny. Yeah, that's great. So l- let me ask you one thing about Ray Donovan in particular, because uh-huh. I, I'm just a few episodes into the second season now. And, and by the way, the reason that this is working out for me is because it's, um, it's very rare common ground for Beth and I. Right. So we're watching this together. Yeah. Which it, is great. It's short, too. It's like they're half-hour episodes or something, right? No, they're an hour. Are they? Are they? Yeah. Okay. But they're like, you know, she can play her – she can play solitaire, you know, while – like, she, you don't need to be tuned in to right. every second. It is not The Wire. It is not The Wire. Exactly. So you're good. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can you can chill and watch this thing and not be worried about missing stuff. Right. Um. But let me ask you this. You may not remember it, but since I just watched it a few nights ago, there is a moment in the last episode of the first season where um, Ray Donovan runs across. So just to set it up a little bit, um, Sully is in the picture, right? He's got Sully yeah. out in L.A. Sully's already turned it's against him. Played by James Woods? James Woods. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome he's character. Actually, fucking great, man. Yeah. So fucking good. Um, and so he's got, he's out there with, um, with Sully. Sully has at this point taken the money, um, and bailed. So he tracks down, remember, he, remember he had the super fat partner, a guy who was traveling with him. He tracks him down at an all you can eat Chinese buffet and meets him there. And he's like, okay, well, Here's my deal for Sully. He's got $2 million. Um, I'll settle for... I forget the deal that he says. I forget the deal that he strikes, that he wants that he wants the fat guy to bring back to Sully. But he's like, here's my deal. Puts it on a piece of paper. Take it to Sully and let me know what, fi- what he finds out. Ray Donovan is a character that has been like built because he's so sharp, like knows every shortcut. Nobody gets over on this fucking guy. Right. Right. In this scene, he hands this fat bastard a piece of paper with the deal on it and says, go take it back to Sully and make it work. There's two, there's two sacks of cash in the hotel room where the two of them are staying. Why doesn't Ray Donovan follow this fat bastard back there and take the money back instead of waiting for Sully to call him? I, I, I can see by looking at you, you don't remember this exchange. I mean, I vaguely remember. It, it's To me, the whole thing seems 
uh, to hinge on him getting him to the docks where the boat is because he... I feel like he needs him to permanently go away in order for like he he feels like there's there's something going on with him and his dad where he just needs this uh, situation concluded once and for all. There needs to be some finality to it. And that's why. And there's some sort of plan at the docks or something. There is. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to think that through because that was a huge thing. Because up until that point, I was like, you know, this is actually pretty tight. Like this right. writing is yeah, yeah. is there. And like why the falls apart at the conclusion? I, I was just like, why the fuck wouldn't he just follow him back and get the cash and off him in the hotel room if he had to or whatever? Right. Like I, if that was part of it, I don't know. I'll have to look at it again. But that was, to be honest, that ain't bad for you know, yeah. for a series and a half of television. Sure. So so I. Uh, Similar to you, I recently acquired Showtime, but the way that it was through Hulu. So now they have their equivalent of like, it's called, you know, HBO Now or HBO Go or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. That you can just tack it on to your Hulu subscription for, I don't know, eight, nine bucks a month. And the first month is free. They're tied in with Hulu? Yep. You can get Showtime through Hulu and you watch all the Showtime content through the Hulu interface. No shit. Yep. They don't have their own standalone app. They Probably do, but I but think this is just another like a quick way to get scale was to smart hit all the Hulu people. Why not? Um, huh? And I've been watching Penny Dreadful. Oh yeah, yeah. And I've uh, I've really enjoyed that actually. So I don't really know anything about it. It's um, you know obviously the Penny Dreadfuls were like horror before there was Pulp Fiction. There was like you know the even earlier form of pulp right. fiction was the penny dreadful yep which were these sort of short horror stories so it's kind of a twist on that it's got really awesome act uh eva green is amazing in it she plays one of the major characters um it's got timothy dalton really <laughs> yeah you're kidding yeah bond former james bond yeah we haven't seen much of him since he was james bond so we have not back and uh speaking of someone else we haven't seen much of is josh hartnett my oh. former neighbor from across the lake here yeah um he is a consistent character in it as well um and yeah it's the sort of like um alchemy meets they take characters like uh mina harker and Dracula and Dr. Frankenstein. It's sort of like almost like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen like mashup of historical characters with some characters that they're taking some liberty with or inventing. Okay. Um, so there's Dorian Gray. Um, so they're kind of taking these characters from this time period and sort of of great literature from this time period and mashing them up to a certain extent. And um, it's interesting. It's well done. Okay. Um, I think Eva Green is, you know, the most consistently awesome part of it. And everyone sort of hovers around her and her performance and her character. Um, she plays this really interesting character that's basically being haunted by the devil. So she's sort of like possessed and she's constantly struggling with um, – it gives her power, but she's also like tormented. So she's constantly struggling with like, can she control the the like possession and the demon living inside of her? Ah. But at the same time, it's useful in like the work that they're doing. They're sort of like hunting down um, vampires, looking for uh, the Timothy Dalton character plays the um, the father of Mina Harker. 
Okay. And they're trying to track down and see if they can. And the first season is all about like trying to reclaim Mina Harker from Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting, really well done. Um, the second season, uh, you know, they kind of, it's sort of like the typical thing where there's like the big bad antagonist every season. The second season, it's more about witches, but it's, it's still well done. Um, so I watched those first two seasons. It's interesting. Like I said, Eva Green sort of holds it down. It's like you're watching it for her because her character and her performance is so awesome. Yeah. And uh, the rest of it is like, you know, just kind of side characters, side plots that all sort of weave in and out of really her story. Huh. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Showtime. I think Beth would probably like it too. Really? Yeah. I think it's, um, it is. Uh, Easy to watch? Yeah. There's enough like drama and tension. Yeah. You know, that I think she would like it. And yeah, you know, like the plots are not super not intricate. E- e- yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's, it's more like there's a main plot and there's a couple subplots, but all the subplots tied directly back into That's the important. main plot. So. Yeah. We need that. So yeah, I, I would, um, for anyone, especially who's like a fan of literature from that time period, which, uh, you know, I know you've read a lot of stuff yeah. kind of from there and, um, and who just likes sort of. I think she would be into like the all the period fashion and stuff as well. Oh, which is for why sure. I think she would like it. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, super ornate dresses and gowns and suits and all that kind of stuff. So, is Trisha doing wardrobe for that? I don't think so. Maybe because she, she might have sold a few things to them at least. I think that she just got a gig, like for a series, doing like. A shitload of fucking hats. Oh, really? Could be she's doing it for the next season or something. Yeah. I don't know. This is like Square, and she would also, like, this show, if you could write a show for her, it would be this show. Really? Oh, yeah, because she loves all those, you know, his, like, action, adventure, like, um, when we were in writing school together, she wrote a series called The Books of Danger that was, like, taking 18th and 19th century um, travel uh, adventure books of these guys going on like crazy safaris or the first people to like dive to the bottom of the ocean. Yes. And she just like pastiched all that stuff together and like these awesome writing pieces. Oh, so cool. So yeah, she's all about the like, you know, horror meets adventure sort of period. Piece huh, stuff. I wonder, I wonder, well, that's cool. Um, I don't know if I got any other series. I, I've, I've got another one. What? That's, um, new to streaming on Netflix. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's Narcos. Oh, yeah. It's, it's brand new. It's, yeah, that's brand three, new. four days old. Yep. It's, What's um, the deal, man? That's based on a Colombian TV uh, show. It's, uh, you know, it's the Pablo Escobar story, yeah. which is kind of well-trod territory. There's been, of course. you know, quite a few movies and books that are coming out. Uh, the interesting thing is it goes so in-depth that I'm learning stuff that I didn't know about it before. Like, for example, early on you learn that the reason why Pablo Escobar was – like got set up with these like cocaine farms and the, the, the way to do this and the methodology to make this really awesome cocaine was because America supported Pinochet, General Pinochet coming to power in Chile. And he right. drove all these people that were making coke in Chile out 
And they needed a place to go, and they ended up landing in Colombia. No shit. Pablo Escobar. Because they were fleeing Pinochet. So Pablo Escobar had these smuggling routes. He was a smuggler, but he was just smuggling, like, stolen goods and produce and all that shit. So he had all these kind of supply and smuggling lines, and so he just turned it into cocaine distribution. Fuck me. And then yeah. they were like, you know what? We know where we need to take this? Miami. Yeah. Let's just flood the shit. And they uh, – get set up with plane, private planes, and they had a whole island in the Bahamas that they would stop to refuel and party uh, before they would fly into Miami. And, like, it's crazy. So I'm, like, three episodes in, and it's really... The guy who plays Pablo Escobar, who is um, obviously, a, like, a Latin actor that I'd never heard of, is really good. Is he? So it's, like, it's not... Looks a lot it's like it's not going to set the world on fire. This thing, but it's really solid. Yeah. Okay. That's what that's what Mark H is telling me. Um, yeah. So if you're kind of looking for something, something that has some historical resonance and is really well done, I was telling some uh, someone at work like if you liked the parts of Breaking Bad where Gustavo Fring the backstory where he's down, it's like that for like eight hours. Wow. Whatever, you know, it's like yeah. really good. Okay, so, and I love that stuff. All oh, the like cartel God. and all that, that shit. The like fucking grizzly man. And uh, there's a DEA agent who's assigned to go down and live in Colombia and try to like start infiltrating this world. But they totally like Pablo Escobar is practically running the government by this point. Oh, so for just, sure. Like, yeah. Every everyone who comes through every gringo like their passports are photocopied, so they know all these. It's like yeah, at risk of like life and limb. You're down here trying to make a difference. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. There's there's a whole bunch of. American – it's just a period of American history that because we were so young, I didn't know that much about. So Likewise, yeah. going in depth into how the Americans and Reagan and those people – like the war on drugs, the beginning of the war on drugs and all that stuff was all in response to Pablo Escobar and all the cocaine and stuff coming into Miami. Yeah. So it's interesting. Okay, cool. I'll check that out for sure. Um, So what else? I'm trying to think like shit that's new that I've been – Digging on, I, I to be honest, like I don't have a bunch of like new stuff. I've been kind of going back into the some stuff that I haven't read or listened to in a long time. Um, on this past trip, I started reading um, Neruda again. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, and um, this um, this woman that was on our crew bought it for me. She was at a bookstore in, in, I don't know where we were, some town, some small college town. Oh, in, in, uh, Pullman, Washington, which is huh. University of Washington is there and it's a used bookstore and she bought it for me and I started reading it and God, that guy. Yeah. Good. Super God. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. And just reminded me like how I haven't read poetry in fucking forever. Never right. read it anymore. It's like, it's not even. Like, on my radar. Like, I wouldn't even think to pick up a book of poetry and read it. Yeah. You've seen Il Postino, right? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really good. Years ago, I saw that. Yeah. Speaking of... I don't think that was... Was that... Was that... That wasn't... Neruda was living in Italy because of Pinochet. Oh, my God. Wait. Pinochet... Was it Pinochet or... Could be wrong. It, first of all, let's let's settle this. Is Pablo Neruda Chilean? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because El Postino's about he's living in Italy. He's not exile. Brazilian, is he? 
I don't think so. Oh, fuck. All right, do it. Let's ask the internet. Just do it. Fuck it. Let's I'm look it up. I'm pretty sure he's Chilean, but... Because I read a little bit of him. I'm almost positive he's Chilean. I remember reading him, obviously, in college and stuff, and... Yeah. And was he fleeing Pinochet? Or he... Which is why he moved to Italy, right? I'm pretty sure. Jesus, fucking Pinochet twice in one podcast. Who would have thought that? The Pinochet is going to fucking show up. In <laughs> this fucking thing. Yep. Neruda was hospitalized with cancer at the time of the coup d'etat led by Augusto Pinochet. Um, oh, yeah. Said that he died. He was, uh, I wonder, he was like a, a, like a super socialist. So I wonder if he was just in exile because of something else. Oh, right. Because uh, he was a communist, communist anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when President Gonzalez Videla outlawed communism in 1948, a warrant was issued for his arrest. That makes sense because okay. Il Postino is more like set in that time period. Yes. To like the 80s. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. That dude who played the postman in Il Postino died during the, like right at the end of the filming of that film. Did he really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Huh. That, yeah, that is a good film though. Really good. Yeah, and I don't know. It makes me want to go back and, I don't know, start reading poetry as a, as an adult, or at least like as a fucking middle-aged man, you know? Because I haven't looked at it in years, and For fucking, sure. I haven't read poetry at all. It's like, it was nice to like, you know, to d- fucking dig in some poetry and not have to get invested in a, you know, right. uh, for one, not read something that's just a fucking crime novel or yeah. like a, you know <laughs> what I mean? Um, but yeah, that was nice. The other thing, the old, other older stuff I've been digging back into is, um, I, I subscribed to, um, I think we were, did we talk about this? The, the high quality streaming oh, right. stuff. Did, did, I think we may have talked about that yeah. a little bit. So, um, I started listening to uh, just trying to compare stuff. I was like, what would really show up and help me like determine the difference between, you know, A, B, like RDO and Deezer. Like what's the difference between the MP3 and the FLAC file? And I started doing it and um, I was picking um, Zeppelin tunes because it's something that I know inside and out. And, um, you know, and it's easy to find. You just go, you know, you just look it up on audio, look it up on Deezer, pull it up and listen to it. And I've been doing it in the car a lot. I got a pretty decent stereo in the car and would play the audio one and it's cranked. So you can like really get a feel for it right. and then play the other one. And then before I knew it, the outcome was I couldn't tell the difference. But before I knew it, I was like, holy shit, this is I forgot why I fucking loved Zeppelin because it's so fucking good when you play it really loud right. in the car driving around. <laughs> and then before you know it, that was it. That's all I listened to for like three weeks was Zeppelin and cranked. And I still, all the time, I keep going back in the car and dialing it up and blasting it and listening to it. That's awesome. So I've been listening to a ton of Zeppelin lately, which Killer. I haven't listened to in 20 years. Yeah, when Kaya was visiting, we were driving around some and uh, I have a playlist that's like sort of 80s. 80s and 90s Brit rock. Oh, yeah. So it's like Stone Roses and Ride and Slow Dive and um, uh, Spiritualized and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. It's it's so awesome to revisit some of that stuff and just remember, like, because it takes you back to the time period when you, like, when we were all living in Madison as undergrads and, like, so there was good. nothing to do but spin records and we just spun records for endless hours and um, Kaya and Caitlin's 
so good. Living room, you know. So I, I'm, I owe it to my friend Caitlin for introducing me to a lot of that stuff, like slow really? stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. Because she lived in the, I think she did a semester abroad or oh, okay. in the UK and picked up a lot of that stuff. So Yeah. Thank God for your friends that turn you on to stuff, yeah, right? I mean, Jesus. Speaking of which, there's a, I know you're not a huge podcast guy, but this one might work for you because they're really short. They're usually like 15 minutes or less. Um, besides this podcast, of course, you listen <laughs> of course to this I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, there's this thing called the detect detective. It's a podcast and it's actually the distillation of a show that I want to say is on like A and E or one of those networks. But what it is, it's a homicide detective who is a detective. Detective Joe Kenda is the guy's name. And he was a detective for like 23 years, a homicide detective. And it's like, Listening to your grandfather tell you super fucking insightful stories about being a murder police. Seriously? It's unreal. Holy so shit. So good. Really? He's like, murder is actually really simple. Here are the three motivations for, for murder. Bam, 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 bam. And here's how you catch people. Here's how you do this. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the ex- example of a case. You know, he's like really? telling you about his real cases and his real experiences and when like his first cases and... Oh my that god. That sounds amazing. So good. It really makes me want to even though I don't really watch like I don't sit down and watch live TV. Yeah. I don't have a lot of channels. I mostly stream everything. It makes me want to go track down cuz it's called like um something hunters like it's not crime hunters but it's Is it homicide hunter? It might be homicide hunter. It's on yeah. Investigation Discovery. Yeah, Investigation Discovery. Yes. That's that's, that's what it is. It's I've homicide. been dying to see that show. This is the dude from that show distilled down into this like podcast. Oh my god. It is unreal. Yeah. So good. This guy is genius. I almost his voice is so great too. He's got it, this it is. like very sort of there's a gravitas to his voice that was like why I say it's like listening to your grandpa yeah. tell you about like the time he was a murder police and investigating, you know, and it's, oh God, it's all this stuff. And when he talks about the difference between like murder is really simple, here are the, here are the investigations. And he talks about like walking in this crime scene and um, when you get shot, when you die on your feet, like what actually happens, like not the bullshit from the movies, up. but like all the stuff. And there's like what's called a dead man's fall. Evidently, when someone dies standing up, every time they fall, their feet cross. So you know when you walk in and you see a corpse with its feet crossed that that person died standing up. Cut the shit. Yeah. Really? It's all just like amazing stuff like that. Oh my so, God. That's rich. I yeah. gotta check that yeah. out. For anyone who loves crime fiction or real crime or is like really interested in that stuff, this podcast is gold. Holy. I mean, it's definitely like he gets into some gritty details. Fuck. That's killer. But, um, you know, if you can – not in a way that's like obscene or he's not like glorifying the yeah. violence or anything like that. It, far from it. If anything, it's, you know, he's just talking about it. Well, in, he's a lawman. Yeah. And in the way that like you assess these sorts of things. So that's really good. The other thing that, um, and I'm really late on this, you know, people have been into this show for years and I just discovered it. I was on a plane flying in. They have that new section in Delta that's like just outside first class called yeah, Comfort. Yeah. And you can use the screens and watch yeah. all the shows. And uh, I ended up watching like eight episodes of Adventure Time. 
And oh, really? I'd never seen Adventure Time. And oh, my God, I was just like laughing my ass off. The guy sitting next to me actually started watching it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> really? Watching it. And then he didn't laugh at all. He, <laughs> he, he was not into it, I guess. So, but uh, yeah, uh, Adventure Time was just like, that show is so genius. Really? And, it's, uh, I don't know like, from from this. Oh, oh my God! You have to see this. You really love it. It's like super tripped out, like acid trip. It like, but very well done and sort of in like comedic and insightful cartoons that, about these two characters just living in this totally surreal world. It's like this totally crazy world. It's this boy who runs around with kind of this wolf head on, and it's a crazy. I want to say it's like. The other character is a cat, but I don't think that's that's actually right. Who has all these, like, can just stretch himself out and do all these crazy things. And it's like this, like, crazy parallel universe that these two characters live in. And they just go on these really simple sort of adventures or have these really, like, you know, you don't, it's, it's no, like, war and peace. Here. No, just sure. Talking about, like, yeah, right, no. <laughs> uh, but... I can see if I was a kid in college sitting on my couch, like smoking a joint and like wanting to unwind and watching this, it's just like, you don't even need to like be high to in- enjoy it. It's so awesome. I can't, I very highly recommend Where, it. What channel? I think it's a Cartoon Network show. Cool. Like, you know, a, like very late night adult Cartoon Network, like adult swim sort of thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's really good. And I think there's more and more of those kind of shows coming out that are like really cartoons, you know, sort of. Yeah. Archer is one that people keep pu- telling me to watch. The, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people, I, I've watched I th- I th- most of the first season, BoJack Horseman. Like people Brad love can't that. Stop raving. He, about the I know he's he loves that Horseman. show. Yeah, like his favorite show. So. Yeah, he loves that. Yeah, um, it's good once you get into it and it gets going. It's really good. Okay. Will Arnett is of course like the main character and he's fucking hilarious. He's so. fucking hilarious. Yeah, and also the person who plays the Paul F. Tompkins, I think, plays his agent and he's great really? in that part too. Yeah, <laughs> so good. All so, right. Yeah, BoJack Horseman is is also definitely worth checking out. Adventure Time though is like. It was one of those things where I was like, I have never quite seen anything like this. It's like, yeah, oh, those millennials. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's totally. Like, yeah. <laughs> wacky millennials coming up with really amazing shit. Yeah. So I'll have to awesome. check it out. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. All right, nice. Man, I'm, the list is fucking filling up for the weekend, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah, lots of stuff to watch. Yeah. For Labor Day weekend. I may have to cancel the state fair trip and yeah. <laughs> just lock it down at the house. Yeah, state fair. It's the same shit you saw last year. I know. Seriously, but you, you want to take the kid? He's he's not gonna remember it. If he's not gonna him. fucking know shit. Yeah, I'm gonna back out of the shit and stay at home and watch fucking cartoons. It's really the, the f- I have to say the food at the state fair. Like everyone raves about the food, it's all right, but it's, it's, it's just the same stuff they had last year. I know. We're gonna get some fucking blowback on this, but to be honest, I've gone two years and fried pickles are great. Other than that, I mean, it's the fuck do I care? There's yeah. a chicken sandwich that Beth Larson fucking lives for it's like a pulled chicken do you know do you know about this pulled chicken sandwich that sounds legit it's fucking it's but they they they, after they pull it they douse it in some sort of dressing it's killer i brought a few back um last year for her 
I don't know if she was pregnant or not going or something. Whatever. But I remember, like, get, eating a couple there and then getting more to go. Right. And um, that th- that was fucking really good. But not something that you're like, I could never do this at home. Because right. I think she actually did do it at home and it was just as good. Right. So, yeah, you go and you fucking sweat your ass off. And you're sur- just the unwashed masses are just fucking yeah. closing in on you. So I, I have to say what we did this year is we took the girls. They started school on Tuesday. And um, we took them on Monday morning. Yeah. And went in the morning, and it was, like, cooler. Yes. Um, it was kind of before it got really humid again, so it was cooler, wasn't as miserable, and the crowds were, like... I mean, I was surprised at how crowded it actually was, but it was probably, like, 50% compared what to... What time were you there? Going on a weekend. What time did you get there? Uh, we were there from, like, 9 to around noon, I think. All right. Because I'm if I don't if we're not there at eight o'clock tomorrow, I'm not fucking going. Right? Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll it see. Opens at like six thirty or something crazy like that, hey, doesn't it? Fuck's sake! Yeah, cows are already giving birth at six thirty in the morning. Jesus Christ, man! Yeah. That fucking thing is a monstrosity. All right. Well, anyhow, I I, I do want to mention one other thing, and I think because I we want to talk about Wes Craven. Oh. Right, right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and we don't need to. We don't need to talk about the entire fucking oeuvre. But um, I do want to mention this one movie that rem- it, you know reminded me of him so much. And I mean, I loved Wes Craven. Still, all of this shit, I love. Right, I'm a huge fan, and I was so sorry to have him go. Um, but I watched this flick last night called It Follows. Oh yeah. Have you seen this? Um, no, but I've heard really good things about Holy that. That's shit. also streaming on Netflix right now. So it is. Yeah, motherfucker, I paid for it. Um, so unfucking, I had no idea what I was walking into. Just fucking click, buy, rent, go watch it, and unfucking believable. It's shot in anamorphic, um, with anamorphic lenses, so hmm. it's like. Two four four to one, so it's super wide and crunched, hmm. right? Um, and it has the whoever shot it. Uh, it's this guy named Michael. I remember taking note of it, Michael Gooden or something like that. Um, and I haven't done the research on it because I just watched it last night. But it has the classic like point of view sort of like guy across the street. Um, feel with his lenses. So lots of stuff is shot really long, right? And he zooms. The zooms that he does are super slow and methodical. Lots of long takes. So you see action, wide shot of a house, girl running out of it, and you're not sure what's going on. And as she gets closer, you're like, what the fuck is she wearing? And she's like in underwear and like high heels. So it's almost a play on the genre of like being slightly expressed you know, a little bit of exploitation, but it's done with like intelligence and hmm. it's, it's fucking amazing. It's shot so well. The story is so good. The, the device that they use, um, in the way that what it's about, I won't even tell you anything because right. I think to honestly tell anything about it gives it away, okay. but I will tell you it is the best. It, it's the best movie I've seen in, in the best new movie I've seen in six months, wow. and it's the best shot film I've seen in fucking ages. It wow. is shot so well. I'm dying to look. I'm dying to research it and see, wow. like, learn more about how they shot this thing because it's shot unbelievably well. It's so great. Cool. You gotta watch it. 
classic horror like the score is like remember john carpenter did all of his own scores yeah. for like and kind of started like this like you know that like casio sort of like but done with it, it has those same the same instrumentation and the same sort of arrangements but it's done with like an extra level of kind of like it, it, it's it's raised a little bit. It's a little bit more sophisticated than just like somebody John Carpenter stoned in his basement. You know, <laughs> like it's right. it's a level above. It's but it retains the heart and sort of rawness of that. So good. So when you think of the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were like a really big part of my like middle school and sort of high school. Like Nightmare on Elm Street three was a big movie yeah. for like my end of middle school, like beginning of high school. But when you think of like the classic Wes Craven films, you know, the, um, the Hills have eyes. Yeah. Shocker. I saw in the theater. Shocker was, so uh, good. Last uh, house on the left. Kid, Last house on the which left. That was like, was, well, I think it was his first film. It was his first one. Yeah. And that is brutal. Like for anyone that hasn't seen that, like be warned, like that right. is not for the, for the weak yeah. at heart. Also, I have to say, I was like, you know, you go through that period when you're like, you know, late teens, early twenties where you're like, ah, horror, like not for me. There was also like a period, I, I think that coincided with that time where there just weren't really any good horror films. Well, that there a was a drought time. for, yeah, yeah, for 10 years. And then he came back with scream scream and scream, like kind of took what was good about classic horror films and like made it fresh again it, well there was he was it's similar to it follows he pays tribute to all the things that came before like all of the sort of like classic horror like devices and sort of tropes like he kind of pays tribute to them in that movie and but kind of turns them upside down too like i think the the opening scene of that movie is fucking genius right because you got drew barrymore yeah who there's no way you're like right. oh my god drew barrymore's fucking hot yeah, she's, she's a, a, a killer fucking right she's a superstar yeah. we're, we're i'm in this to f i'm watching drew barrymore for the next hour and a half nope right, yeah. right? <laughs> fucking it's god awesome. it's so killer right for sure um he was he was great so right before he made that he made the last of the speaking of the nightmare on elm street movies he made right before that he made the very last in that series where he actually plays himself in the movie, trying to think of what the next, because he hated the series. After he hated that, right. after a while, he was like, "I'm fucking. I don't want to be known for this." Yeah, and he was like, "I'm going to close it out." And he came back, and he was like, played himself, trying to think about what the next, like Nightmare on Elm Street thing should be. Like he, you know what I mean? It was right. his way of kind of, you know, conceding to the fact that yeah, this this thing needs something. It's, it's pretty much over. Me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's over too. Right. That's awesome. Yeah, man, he was he was so good and from what I hear like he was like a super sweetheart too on set. Like he was like super like yeah. soft spoken and kind and like Well, it seemed like he was very generous towards a lot of the new horror directors that were coming up too. Like oh, he spent is a that lot right? Of time. He executive produced a lot of stuff and um, spent time like helping other people cultivating the, well. the genre. Yeah, because yeah, I mean yeah, he's yeah. such a heavy hitter. If you could get in in his good graces, right? Then yeah. So, all right, Wes Craven, R.I.P. R.I.P. For sure. All right, I think that's it for this week of Good Looking Out. Thanks as always to Kaya Fisher for the audio engineering assistance. 
And if you want to reach us, you can search and find us on social media. No one ever does that, but, but do. go for it. <laughs> Thanks. See you next week.